0: You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. All right, since Boyd and Annie started this over the last few weeks, we'll start out with a couple little smiles before we get into the Word here. I have a lot sicker sense of humor than they do, so here, we'll start with an easy one. So My older aunts used to come and tease me at weddings, saying, Well, Sarah, do you think you'll be next? We settled this quickly when I started doing the same thing to them at funerals. (laughs) Here's a good one. A husband looks at his wife in surprise and says, Wow, darling, you look all different and nice today. (laughs) First of all, that's the wrong way to say that. Okay. Is that a new hairdo? The wife hisses from behind him. I'm over here, Arnold. (laughs) Young man asks Siri, Siri, why am I still single? Siri says nothing but activates the front camera on his phone. (laughs) Isn't that awful? (laughs) Okay, let's see. One more. Uh, Well, maybe two more. What do you get when you cross a bunny and a Rottweiler? Just the bunny. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, sorry, just the <laughs> Rottweiler. I didn't read it. I quoted it from memory. <clears throat> what do you get when you lose your memory? Okay. Um, Robert asked the pastor to pray for his hearing. After three minutes of praying in tongues and violent shaking, the pastor asked, How's your hearing now? Robert answered, I don't know yet. It doesn't happen until next Tuesday at the courthouse. Uh, Okay, we better get into the word, all right? Yeah, they're all bad. I love bad jokes. Okay, Uh, so Annie has been talking to us. Great message. If you weren't here the last couple of weeks, you really need to get the podcast or watch the videos talking to us um, about not being stuck in life. How to get unstuck and things that will keep you stuck. We've been talking prior to that out of the book of Philippians about this idea uh, that we see uh, quoted or or put down really clearly in Philippians one six, where it says, And I am convinced and sure of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. All right, so we are given this picture throughout the scripture I mean in the old testament there was always this forward motion with Israel, or God was calling them for it anyway. They weren't always going forward, but God was always calling them for it. God was always calling them from one level of life to another higher level of life. That's that's that is life with Christ. And this verse tells us that God Himself is committed. I just love this. God is committed. Himself to moving us from one degree of glory, the scripture says to another degree of glory, from a lower life to a higher life, from as the psalmist said, being stuck in the miry clay to having our feet set upon a rock. all of those images, all of those pictures throughout the scripture, are that God wants our life to be moving forward and upward. Our pastor used to say, the call of God is always forward and upward. It's always to something better. As good as what we're experiencing today maybe is, as far as maybe we've come, God has more. God is more, and he has more for us. So this verse, uh, you know, it it emphasizes God's commitment to this. Um, And I've said this to you before in this series, that when, when we first came into the church, that was kind of a new Message, I am sure you know history repeats itself i 'm sure there have been times when the Holy Spirit emphasized that, but the idea that God was committed to us. Was you didn't hear that? You heard you need to be committed to God. You need to do more. You need to be more. That was the overall message when we were kids. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God started to move on some people and reveal these things. That while while there is a we do need to be committed to the Lord. Nobody argues with that, but. Honestly, I don't know how we could be committed to the Lord if he wasn't first committed to us. It's just like we love him because he first loved us. So this this message, God's committed to you going forward. God, this verse tells us, God has, not maybe will, has started a good work on the inside of you. For some of you, that might be something that, you really need to grab hold of and hang on because we don't always feel good about ourselves. None of us do. But nevertheless, God has begun a good work in you. And he's going to continue right up to the day of Jesus Christ developing that work. We said this earlier in this series, our salvation itself is is finished. It's a finished work in Christ. But that salvation's work is in us working itself from the inside in our spirit man through out through our being into the way that we live and think and choose and all of that that's a continuous work that'll that will continue until we see Jesus face to face one way or another however that happens to happen in in our lives so so we've been uh we've been talking about that and then the last verse we were on uh with me was Philippians 2:12 that says, "Work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal, and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling, self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience." You can tell us this, is the Amplified. Watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit His name. We, we looked at this because this is one of those verses that a lot of times this term, work out your salvation, we we think of it in terms of, well, I don't think most of us think of it in terms of working for our salvation. I think we've, we realize that it's our salvation. Jesus worked for it. It's a done deal. We receive that gift uh, through God's grace by faith, by trusting in him. But I think a lot of times we still think of it as, um, we still think of it as, okay, now I understand I'm saved by grace, but now I have to grow through my own efforts. All right. But what this is, what this verse is talking about, this term work out, it means to us, it says, do whatever is necessary to see something all the way through. The Amplified uses this term work cultivate. And I just think that is a great term for what we're talking about here. So God has put something alive, his, his, himself, his spirit, his salvation in us. And again, the, the, the fact of that salvation, the, the bringing forth of that salvation, that's all done in Christ. But we can do a lot of things to cultivate the growth, the outgrowth of that salvation in us. We can do a lot of things that create an environment in our lives where it's easy for God to do the work of discipling us, to do the work of taking some things out of our life, putting new things in our life, changing who we are from what he's already done in us. Is that, does that make sense? And that's what this working out, it's, it's talking about we want to cultivate what god is doing in us and primarily that means making an environment creating an environment in our life that is conducive to growing toward christian maturity to fruitfulness we all we all know what jesus said about bearing fruit that it is it is through the relationship the the connection we have with him his life flows through us and, and begins to display itself out through us. We don't strain to make Jesus show forth through us. We connect with Jesus in a vital way. And as he works in us and we know him better, we begin to change and, there, and fruit comes out of our lives. Different attitudes, different words, different uh, outlooks, different activities. It comes out of our lives, and our lives on the outside begin to look more like Jesus, but not through self-effort. Not through self-effort, through relationship with him. This word cultivate means to foster the growth or development of anything. To foster the growth or development of anything through intentional care, giving necessary attention to something to ensure its full development. That's what this word cultivate means. All right? So I'm going to go back to this fruit idea for just a minute so that we're hanging on to that as, as I say another couple of things. What, what the Lord is looking for in our life is fruit. And we can't make fruit grow. I guess we're bearing fruit of something. We are all bearing fruit of something. Whatever we're the most connected to, we're going to bear fruit from that. Whatever we cultivate in our hearts, we're going to bear the fruit of that. So if we're cultivating fear, we're cultivating shame, we're cultivating unworthiness, we're cultivating failures that we might have experienced or or walked through, then we're going to produce more of that. If we're cultivating isolation, we're going to produce more isolation. If we're cultivating the words of God, if we're cultivating the love of God for us, the undeserved love of God for us, if we're cultivating the grace of God, if we're cultivating those things, then we will bear fruit that is fruit. It is the outward expression of that life that is on the inside of us. That's what fruit is, what the Greek word for fruit means. It's outward, visible expression of inward life that's invisible. We can't see. I can't see that the Holy Spirit is living in you, but I can see his fruit through your actions. And, your and and you know, we, we've used this example so many times, but it's so true. You go into any orchard or you go, you know, maybe you have fruit trees in your yard somewhere or something. You never at night, you're not laying. I used to live, actually, I lived in a little, it was a, House that was created for uh, workers that would come in and, and pick fruits totally surrounded by orchards over on Rogers Mesa uh, back when they had a lot of orchards over there and you know i i 'd sleep in the summer or in the and in the fall with my windows open there. I never heard those trees moaning and groaning and trying to shove the fruit out. they just produced fruit because of who they were, who they were, what they were. they were apple trees. So they produced apples. They were different kinds of apple trees. So they produced different kinds of apples. What the life that was on the inside of them expressed itself in fruit. That's what the Lord is looking for in us and that's what he is cultivating in us but because we have a free will, we get to participate in that cultivation or we can hinder that cultivation, one or the other. But, it's, but still, I just want to be trying to be careful with my wording that we don't hear so you got to work harder. That's really not the point. You need, if, you, if we need something, it's to connect better with him because his life will produce the fruit that he seeks and honestly that we, that we seek, that we want to see in our lives. The changes, the transformation, that we want to see in our lives, it comes through vital living relationship with Jesus. And it's progressive and it doesn't happen overnight. I know there are things in all of our lives we wish would change instantly. Even when the Lord does come along and really miraculously change something in our hearts, and he does that sometimes, it still takes time for that to work itself out through everything in us. And what we want to do Along this whole process is not as Annie was telling us, get stuck. we want to avoid getting stuck and i I just i 'll say it again. I think that message over the last two weeks was so essential for every one of us. really if you haven 't listened to it i if you have listened to it, go listen to it three more times okay it's uh it's it 's out there. you can connect to it on the website all right um Healthy, long-term relationships don't just happen by accident. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus that produces something. And I need to move on from this point. But I was just thinking about this again. You, you look at, we just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary a couple of weeks ago. We, yeah, Isn't she amazing? <laughs> Patient woman. We went up. Man, I don't have time to tell stories. We went up uh, that week. This was not a (laughs) this was not a 40th anniversary trip. It was just something we had planned and we had to do anyway. We went up to where I grew up, and she lived for a number of years up in North Dakota. Saw a few of my friends. There are only a few that still live there. But the the first guy that we met with uh, over in this other town that was when I hadn't seen him in. Forty-six years or something. He has—he's a drummer. He's been a drummer all his life. He's been involved in a lot of other things, but he's still a drummer and has this shop up there. And uh, we walked in there and we're admiring that. And he came out from the back and he walked up to Karen right away. He says, "My perception of you is—you must be the most gracious." patient, wonderful woman in the world to put up with him for this long. So you know you're good friends when 46 years later you can say stuff like that. All right, so healthy long-term relationships don't just develop on their own. We know this. You've got to put something into them. You've got to put something into marriages, friendships, good work relationships, any kind of relationship. And I'll just give you this little list. I'm not going to talk about them, but you've got to give quality time. Same is true with our relationship with God. You've got to give quality time There has to be two-way communication. You can't be afraid to share your heart openly with the Lord and you can't be afraid to hear what he's going to say. There needs to be two-way communication. You need to develop a listening ear. Got to be more willing to listen than to talk. Got to learn how to listen without just not hearing what's being said but just waiting to, to put your part in. A listening ear. You've got to have an open heart. And that, again, is just, Lord, I know you have my best in mind. I know you do. You're so good. So, Lord, my heart is open to wherever you want to take it. Even if that is difficult, Lord, I am, I am up for the transformation you bring. And then you have to have an interested heart, an inquisitive heart. It's okay to ask God questions. You've you got to wonder, you know, you've got to want to know the person. To have a good relationship, you've got to actually want to know that person. If you're in it just for what they can do for you, that's that's not a healthy relationship. That's never a healthy relationship. All right, let me let me move on here. Okay, so we're we'll go over to go ahead with me over to Philippians chapter three, because again, I'm trying to tie this all together. I'm probably working harder at it than I need to. Um, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul wrote in verses 8 through 10, which we're not going to read this morning, uh, he talked about how he had decided that the, the one pursuit of his life would be knowing Christ, to know him Intimately, he said, said to, to know him, and that's such a powerful word in the Greek. It's intimate, it's personal, it's progressive. It's this growing knowledge of a person. Not just know about Christ, but he said, he said, that's my one purpose. Not to do for Christ, not to know about Christ, but to know him. And through that knowing him, to experience the power that flows out of his resurrection and and the kind of suffering that Jesus went through to to experience him and live in him, become like him to the point where, yeah, I'll probably be persecuted too because the world loves itself and doesn't so much love Jesus. Okay, and so, so he goes through all that in verses eight through 10, but I want to jump down here to verse 12. Um, and Paul says, this is amplified, he says, not that I have already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like. Not that I've already obtained it or have already been made perfect. So Paul's saying, I haven't arrived. Okay, I'm not there yet. But I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ took hold of me and made me his own. There's so much that we could preach in that verse all morning. Paul says, I've made this decision. I haven't arrived. I, I hear in that, and I think all of us can relate to this, I don't, you know, I don't approve of everything in myself. I don't approve of every thought that I have. I don't approve of every decision I make. I still have a lot of faults. But what I've decided is, Christ took hold of me for a reason. And I am going to press on. Again, this is this is really strong language in the Greek. It is, a, it is a chasing down, chasing something down to take possession of it. He says, I will press on to take hold. Some of your versions say apprehend. I love that. To apprehend. When we get if we get apprehended, if a police officer apprehends somebody, that means they take the, possession of them. They take control of them. They put the cuffs on them and they put them in the car protecting their head, right? I mean, they, you know, and that's what Paul's saying about the purpose that Christ has for his life. The one thing I've decided, I'm not, I can, I can criticize myself all day long, but you know what? God took hold of me for a reason. And that reason is because he loves us. And so I've decided I'm going to chase down his purpose for me. I'm going to do it through focusing on knowing him that he tells us about in verses eight through 10. Does so that make sense to you? So in order to do that, we've got to, re- we've got to do some sorting in our lives. There, Especially in this digital world that we live in, there are so many voices speaking to us. You know, I never like to think that we have it harder than some other generation. I doubt it. Honestly, it's just a different set of issues. But we do have a challenge that nobody in history has ever faced before, this digital thing. Nobody's ever faced that. Nobody has ever had that much information in the palm of their hand to be accessed 24-7. Good information, bad information, a lot of bad information, a lot of good information, A lot of just nothing information, honestly, if you look at it from the perspective of heaven. But a lot of information, a lot of strong opinions that are there to compete with God's opinion in you and I. And so we're going to have to sort some voices. If we're going to make this decision, I'm going to press on to take hold. I've got to make some decisions. You know, I, I found... I was digging through my Amplified Bible here. We're going to go over to Hebrews in a minute. And I noticed I'd written in the margin sometime, uh, you know, it's, that, it's Hebrews 11 is that list of people of faith. And uh, I'd written in the margin sometime, when we decide what we will believe, we also decide what we won't believe. And if we, when we decide who we will believe, we decide who we won't believe. That's a... a a thought that really contradicts you know, our, our culture. We're told we need to just be open-minded, be open to everything. Well, you know, sewers are open, okay? Uh, you, you don't have to be, well, I think that pretty much says it. <laughs> you need to be able, you've got to be able to sort some things because there are going to be so many things coming at every one of us from well-meaning people many times. That are not—they don't create an environment conducive to fruitfulness with in Christ. They—they create an environment that's conducive to something, but not to Christ's purpose in us. So I think you know we can't afford to cultivate. I guess I think of it this way. I hate to see us give our time and energy to cultivating thoughts that are not truth, that are not God's thoughts. They're not going to produce the right things in us. And it's real easy, whether it's through worry, whether it's just through um, wanting to, you know, wanting to chew on just some people just love to chew on things. There's nothing wrong with that, but chew on the right stuff. You know, some people just love to kind of debate and Philosophize if that's a word, you know what I mean and and just kind of spend time and all this kind of ethereal these thoughts and those thoughts and all that. you know you're cultivating when we do that we're essentially meditating what the Bible calls meditating on something on some truth on on some many times not truth, and it's going to produce in our lives, so we only have so much time and so much energy and so much focus, and I just encourage you if we're going to cultivate the right things in our heart. We're going to stay on this forward motion. We're going to see what God started in us fully develop. We're not going to get stuck. If we're going to be on that path, it's really important that we be thinking on the thoughts that are God's thoughts. All right? A couple more verses here. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own yet, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the heavenly prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is this is so important. I know we've we've looked at this many times. Paul says, "There's one thing I do: forgetting what's behind and pressing forward to what's ahead." Okay, that word "and," that little word "and." In the Greek, they're there, like with many things, there are multiple words for the word that we would translate and in the Greek. This one couples two things together as one thing. It makes them, it makes forgetting what's behind and pressing forward to what's ahead one thing, one idea. There aren't two different things. Some days I forget what's behind, some days I move forward. No, what Paul's saying is you can't move forward without learning how to forget what's behind. And that doesn't mean you know, I was thinking about this this morning, forgetting, okay well, I still remember stuff that I did, and I can feel bad about it, yeah, me too i can I can think back you know through my whole life, and I can think of things I did, things I said, things I was involved in, attitudes I carried that were completely godless, they weren't necessarily mean, some of them were, but but it you know, wasn't necessarily that way, but they were not God's ideas and God's thoughts. We tend to look back on our lives and we tend to either fall into deep regret, which is one of the things Annie laid out that will hold us in place, keep us stuck, regret. Or we tend to build a time in life into something that it just wasn't. You know, Karen said this the other day. She said, you know, these are the good days. And she, there was that old song, I mean, way older than us. It was, these are the good old days. It's true. 10, 12 years from now, no matter how hard it is, there's a good chance you'll look back on it. You'll remember the good things of these times and you'll say, those were good times. I can think back through my life. and I can, So, So we need to deal with the things that are regrettable we need to learn how to really receive the forgiveness of God. You don't forget that it happened or forget that you did it. But you do get free from, from it anchoring you because you receive His grace and His forgiveness and you, and you move on because all of us have those things in our lives. And as far as looking back, you know, I hear people, oh, you know, it's so terrible now. You know, I, w- I wish it was like it was in the 60s. And it's like, you know, I was there. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't that good. I mean, I thought it was good at the time I was a kid. But I mean, it was like last summer in the sixties for several years. They're burning cities down all over the place. People were deeply addicted to psychedelics. People were there were all kinds of we were we were getting more and more and more involved in Vietnam. I had brothers that went off one to Vietnam one in the navy but you know I had brothers that went off to war during that time and you know you didn't have text you didn't have you didn't have all this you got a letter once in a while you didn't know if they were alive or not you know and and a lot of us felt that this isn't this isn't we we honor what they're doing but is this really the war we should be fighting you know there was all that going on people were mad very similar to what it's like today and, and, you know, oh, I wish it was like it was in the 70s. It wasn't that good. I was there. We used to have to sit in line for gasoline in the 70s. The last time I saw inflation like we're having now was in the 70s under Jimmy Carter, who I voted for. First person I voted for shows you where my brain was when I was 18 years old. You know why I voted for him? 'Cause I believed he he would work to legalize marijuana. That's where I was when I was eight. So God can transform people. He can transform lives. You know, can you imagine? I mean, talk about I can look back at so many things in my life and think, You were so stupid. You know, and it's like, so that was the big deal to you? Yeah, it was. It was. My life revolved around it. My friends revolved around it. So if you're in that place today, I understand. But God has something better for you. Anyway, anyway, a lot of times we'll look back on a place in life. And, and I think the devil helps us do this. He'll sell us half-truths. We all tend, I think, mostly, people, psychologists say, we tend to remember the good and kind of forget the pain. And that's not a bad thing, I don't think, in our makeup but a lot of times we look back on something we think it's a, a lot better than it was and if we stay in that place then we just want to go back there instead of going forward and that will definitely it'll keep you stuck it'll keep you from allowing god to to just move you forward you know um and this, this isn't just about there, there are things, you know, forgetting what's in the past. You know, we've got to let go of things in the past. This isn't just about sin or obvious sin either in our lives. That, you know, uh, uh, certainly remembering our sin and, and feeling, continuing to feel oppressed about our sin when Jesus has shed his blood to forgive us and free us and move us on. In life, I mean, certainly that can hold us, but you know it can be there can be something in our life that's it's really a good thing, it's essentially a good thing, but we begin to idolize it, whether that's the past or something that's going on now. We have friends that have been tremendous music ministers uh, their whole life, but there was a period when they were young where they got so caught up in the music, even though it was Christian music they began to idolize it to a point where god made them lay their instruments down and quit playing for i don't remember how long it was a few years a year a year and and they just had to lay it down because and to me that said a lot that they could perceive from god that something that god would use for blessing to many 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 people that was a good thing it was a gift it was a talent was something they had but they had idolized it whenever something becomes an idol in our heart it, God can't use it he can't he's not going to give us something even something he wants for us when it has hold of our heart or is on the throne in our heart instead of him that's called having an idol in your heart so they had to lay down those instruments for a year then they were able to pick them back up and begin to minister they're still doing it today they're still uh, ministering to people, they've written some incredible songs. They're just, they, the, the, the man in this couple just flows in psalming by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful gift. But if they had not, if they just hung on to it the way it was and hadn't let God into that area of your life, they never would have gotten where he was trying to take it. They couldn't have pressed forward if they held on to what they had at that time. There's a, there's a statement, I don't remember who it was, I don't remember Michaela Will. I don't remember if it was Cortez or one of those guys, okay, that came over uh, from Spain or Portugal or wherever uh, during that time of exploration and, and he got here. And his, his thing was, okay, now that all my guys are here, burn the ships, right? Burn the ships. I don't even know if that's a true story, but it's told, okay, is it? Burn the ships. And the idea was, we are not going back. We are going to go forward or we're not going at all. And I think that's a good, we need to have that. You know, we, we are, we're burning the ships. We are going to go forward in the Lord. It's what he wants for us. He himself is committed to the development of what he started in us. So on our part, if we want to cultivate that, one of the things we can do is say, you know what, whatever's in my past, I'm leaving it behind. I'm leaving it behind. Um, Man, I've got way too much. No, I don't. I've got 11 minutes. Awesome. Uh, So jump over to Hebrews chapter 11 with me, would you? Are you getting anything out of this? I'll say it one more time, then I'll shut up you haven't listened to the last two weeks. To me, she made it so easy for me because this is where I was going and she just put this thing in about not being stuck, did a great job of it. And you need to get that as a part of this whole thing we've been talking about for these last several weeks. Okay, I'm done. Um, Hebrews chapter 11. And and we'll start in in verse 13. You really have to read the whole chapter to pick this all up. But It's talking about people of faith and how they lived. And in verse 13, it says, these people, this is all these heroes of faith. Keep that in mind that we call them heroes of faith. They're listed in the Bible as examples of living by faith to us. And it comes down to verse 13. It says, these people all died controlled and sustained by their faith. I I have a little note in my old Amplified Bible that says, good job. Because that's what that is. That's what God's looking for. That we would go through our whole life controlled and sustained by our faith. That we'd never quit. We'd never give up. We'd never let ourselves. we all get stuck from time to time. We'd never. We'd do whatever it takes to get unstuck. We would keep moving forward. Okay? They all died controlled and sustained by their faith, but not having received the tangible fulfillment of God's promises. Only having seen it and greeted it from a great distance by faith. That can be kind of discouraging. oh man, these, these guys and gals made it into the Bible for their faith, and they didn't see the total fulfillment of what they were believing for. We can go, what hope do I have? That's the point is they, for one thing, it says remember uh, Romans chapter four tells us faith, Perceives, no, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, faith perceives as real fact, one of those two chapters tells us this faith perceives as real fact what is not yet evident to the senses. It says they saw the fulfillment of the promise of God and they greeted it. They were excited about it. They were excited their whole life about the big picture of what, what we know now was the coming of Christ and salvation and, and this kind of fellowship with God and living in his presence, opening up to the whole world. They were pulling on that their whole life. I believe with all my heart, The point, part of the point of this verse is what we are believing God for, we may only see partially. We may see some promises, we're going to see total fulfillment. Other promises, our role is to pull on it so the next generation can either receive it fully or pull on it for the next generation. God's pleased with this. Living your whole life. So that means we don't get discouraged when we don't see the fulfillment in the time we thought it should happen. Okay? And if we stop standing in faith, we stop. Reaching for what God shows us and saying yes, Lord, and and through our faith and through our words and through our actions, pulling that thing from the heavenly reality to the to the earthly reality. If we don't do that, then the next generation is going to be behind where God wants them. They're going to have to pull where we were supposed to pull so that the following generation can get. Does this make sense to you? That's a part. It's not all of it. It doesn't mean you're not going to see the fulfillment of any of God's promises. It just means you have a longer range goal than that in mind. What God wants to see is us not quitting, not stopping, not slowing down, just continuing to live by faith. It says they greeted these promises from a great distance, all the while acknowledging and confessing that they were strangers and temporary residents on earth. The idea is there, I, I, you want to identify as something, identify as a stranger on earth. I'm, I'm part of a heavenly kingdom. My goals, my um, my priorities are set in a heavenly kingdom. I'm a stranger here. I'm only going to be here for a little while. This is not my home. Heaven is my home. We get that down in our heart. We can go through things because heaven isn't changing because I didn't get what I thought I wanted last week. You know, I mean, heaven doesn't change because of that. I, my real, real citizenship and my real priorities have to be, they have to be connected. And listen, none of us feel that way all the time. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just, this is just setting a goal for me. This is just setting a goal for me to continue to press in, to to know the Lord better and to, and to have that mindset that, you know what, I have a role in this generation. I'm going to do my best to fulfill it. But you know what? I may not see everything I'm hoping to see. I may not see that, but you know what? Because we're living by faith, Maybe the next generation will. We've got to move on. We've got to move on. Um, verse 14, Now those people who talk as they did show plainly that they are in search of a fatherland, their own country. Verse 15, we've we got to finish up on this. It says, If they had been thinking with homesick remembrance of that country from which they were emigrants, they would have found constant opportunity to return to it. That is an important verse for us. If we, Paul said, forgetting what's behind and pressing forward to what's ahead. If we are constantly thinking of what used to be, the way we remember it, or Annie made a big, uh, real good point about if we're living in what ifs, what if I'd done that instead? What if I'd made this decision? You know, if I'd made this decision differently, then this would have happened and that person would have done this and this. You don't know any of that. And that's an open door, that that what if living. Because we can play this whole movie in our head. We can cast all the roles. We can We can see, you know, oh, if I'd just done this, then life would have worked like this. You don't know that. You can't know that. And I know it seems real, but you got to level with yourself. I don't know that. I don't know that it would have gone that way, and because I don't know that, and and beyond that, it doesn't matter because you didn't do that, or they didn't do that. If only they would have, you know what? Doesn't matter. They didn't, and God's big enough to deal with us right where we are today. God's promise and God's plan for our life doesn't hinge on you making every perfect decision or somebody else making every perfect decision, nobody ever hurting you in your life, it doesn't hinge on that. It hinges on his faithfulness and his commitment to bring it to pass in our life. The devil loves to use lies and half-truths to get you to go back to a place in your life that God has already delivered you out of that God has already taken you out of, whether it was, I'm not just, again, not just sin. We can all recognize, yeah, God delivered me from that Thank Goodness, I'd probably be dead. You know, I, I can definitely say that in my life. But it's not even just about that. As he moves us along, glory to glory, faith to faith, we move along. There were good things back there, but they're back there. They might even be foundational. They're back there. They're good but we can't go back to them. And if we keep looking back, the scripture says you will find constant opportunity to go back. That's not a God opportunity. It's that you'll look back. You know, when we came up here, uh, we came, I I worked at Believer Center and Karen was involved as a volunteer at Believer Center. We'd been there for longer than this. But anyway, that last portion was nine years. And I say this, I'm just talking out my ear, because I don't know what it's like there now. I think it was one of the best nine years that the church had, not because I was there, by the way, maybe definitely in spite of that. But we had a great staff. We had, there were great things going on in the church. There were great things happening, great congregation, great staff, you know, and, and we worked well together. And We had a really good time. There was a period in my life where I worked on the railroad over in Peonia, building railroad, not driving trains. And, uh, you know, we had a great crew. It was really fun working together. Well, those were all great experiences. And I, and I can tell you that after we came up here, we started doing what God called us to do. There were times where I'd think, boy, well, I'd love to go back and we just work for Marshall. <laughs> you know, that's just the truth. But I know that's not the way it works. And if I did go back, number one, I'd be walking away from what God called me to do. And number two, it wouldn't be the way it was. Things aren't the way they were. So that whole pull, I, b- I believe that's just an, oh, if we, if we live that way, we open an opportunity. If you keep focusing back, you'll have an opportunity to go back to it. And it won't be what you think it, what you think it was. And there's this, this is a warning you know, about the people of Israel. And we see them do it sometimes, don't we? We see them in the Old Testament. Oh man, in Egypt, not, nothing about building bricks, nothing about building bricks without any straw, nothing about being slaves. Not, oh man, remember we'd sit around those pots that were full of meat. You know, we had we had everything in Egypt. No, they didn't. But we get to read the beginning of the story and, you know, we have a different perspective on it. But this is true for every one of us. You've got to be really careful. The lure, let me just read a couple of these to you so we can be done. The lure of an unrealistic past can keep you from standing your ground today or pressing forward into God's divine plan for your life. The lure of an unrealistic past keep you from standing your ground or pressing forward. Okay? The devil will use fear of the unknown, what's out in front of you, to get you to stay where you are and not take steps of faith. Okay, just a couple more thoughts and I, I am done. The Lord gave me this and I just feel like it's important for us. So what we do see through the scripture is when God would do something dynamic in their lives and he brought them across the Red Sea, when he brought them across the Jordan River, other things, he'd say, build a memorial right here. Memorials, you know, this is Memorial Day weekend. What, we're, what we do, the, the reality of Memorial Day, it's not a happy holiday. It's a thankful holiday. It's something that we uh, look back and we, we remember to be grateful for those who have given their lives for this country. Okay? Grateful for those who have given their lives so we can meet together like this. So that we have lights on. So, that, you know, Whatever. It's a memorial. It's a remembering time. We are to have memorials. But those memorials need to be built about something God showed you about who he is, something uh, he set you free from, something he took you to, something God did. We're not to just build memorials around uh, things in the past that we think were better. We're not to build memorials around... um, Regrets. You can build a memorial around your regrets. You can build a memorial around your grief. You can build. Annie gave us a great list. I I got some of it. She was going kind of fast. Um, I guess it's not right here. But she gave us a really great list of of things that we can uh, we can memorialize. The term I'm using today. We can. She talked about how grief, regret, shame, um, love of drama. That was a good one. All things that can keep us stuck. She had six or seven of them, eight of them, I don't know. But uh you can go back and get that teaching if you know if you haven't, if you didn't know that. Um, but anyway, those are all things we can build memorials. We just have to be careful what we memorialize. You know, our time at Believer Center was foundational for everything else we're gonna do in our life. So I love it. I appreciate it I stay connected to it. I appreciate it I thank God for it but I'm not going back to it. I'm using it as a launching pad. So so it just, let me just read the statement to you and, and we'll be done. As believers, we should only make memorials around things that God is, around things that God does, or around things that he reveals to us. Not around things in our past that were not of God. Not around failures, not around what ifs, not around any of that stuff. It's so easy to do with regrets and failures, you know? And, and when we do that, we're just, we're identifying with who we were then and we're kind of diminishing what God has done since. Does this make sense to you? All right, let's 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 give it up and uh, stand up this morning and we'll pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, this has been so strong in my heart over these last several weeks, really. But Father, I I just, I thank you that in you, we are, there is always more. There is always better. There's, you you do call us to go from one degree of glory, which is good, (laughs) to the next degree of glory, which is even better. Jesus, you said you came to give us an abundant life. And Lord, I, I just thank you that you are so faithful and so committed to finishing that work that you've started in us. And Lord, as we stand here with one another this morning, we know one another in so many ways. And Father, we just choose, like your word says, we're not going to look at each other just after the flesh. We're not going to look just at, and we're, we're not going to spend time dwelling on one another's inadequacies and faults and all that. We all have them. But Father, instead, we're going to look at what you're doing in each one and celebrate what you're doing in each one. We love the growth that you bring. We love the transformation that you bring. And Lord, I, I thank you and I look forward, Lord, to what you'll do in the future with every one of us as these this salvation that's inside of us develops and produces more and more fruit for you, Lord. We thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we will say it on the count of three that Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. And you guys go out there and be the church. Be careful this weekend. A lot of wild people on the road. And uh, never mind, I'm not going to say that. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen.